Welcome to Allison's Wonderland. I'm your host, Allison Packard. Join us as we journey through the looking glass and down the rabbit hole into the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. Hey, do a girl a favor and please subscribe to this podcast and go on iTunes and leave us a good review. If you like the show, please help spread the word. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. Welcome to Allison's Wonderland, the show that takes you through the looking glass into the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. I'm your host, Allison Packard, and it's going to be such a fun night tonight because... Our guest is the one and only Sharon Muthu. Sharon and I met in an acting class at least eight years ago or so, and she's an amazing person. She's both an on-camera actress as well as a voice actress. You might know her as Agent Bellum in Carmen Sandiego. I'm so excited to bring uh, Sharon on the show tonight. Without further ado, I want to welcome Sharon onto the show. I got a couple of your questions in advance, so I'll do my best to get to them. And we're going to have a chat. So please, ladies and gentlemen, and, you know, uh, people of all sorts, put your hands in the zoo. And this dress, right? Hi! We're live! We're live! Ah, how are you, baby doll? Good, how are you? It's so nice to see you. Your hair is fabulous. What was that? Your hair is fabulous. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's different from the last time I saw you, for sure. Like the style queen. We're just all aspiring to be like you. Oh, God, I'm just aspiring to be like you. Oh, my God, I just want to lean in and hear the soothing, dulcet tones of Sharamuzu. Just talking over here. You're just going to hear all the dulcet tones tonight, folks. It's dulcet night. <laughs> it is. We, we were laughing earlier saying that it's going to be like girls' night. Yeah. We're on together. There we go. Especially because Allie I went to grab a club soda and I grabbed this club soda, which is spiked. So it's going to, you know, just cracked it open. It's going to be a fun night. <laughs> Sharon, so you're in a different time zone right now. I am. Is that right? I am on the East Coast. So. East Coast, represent. Dark over Tell here. Us, you, uh, you've now made the transition, so you are bi-coastal, is that right? I am bi-coastal, yes. It was sort of, you. I think you all know my husband as well. I know Ali does. No, Shir Dalal is my husband, and he's also in the biz and very prolific. And it's always been a dream of ours to be bi-coastal. And we sort of pulled the trigger on that, you know, started kind of making the decisions towards the end of 2020. And we are based in Atlanta, but there is there is no escaping, you know, L.A. L.A. is still home. Actually, no, Sheer was supposed to join us tonight or at least pop in. And he's in L.A. working on something. So we've been back and forth every month. And but it's it's been great. It's the best of both coasts. And yes, somebody yeah. said Vice Admiral Rampart. I am married to a Sith. So um, yes, that's right. It, now, do yeah. you find because I feel like our neighbors moved to Georgia and the Atlanta scene's really popping for on camera. Very do you find are you busy out there? It's busy here. It's really exciting. And I think that was part of the decision. No, she's originally from New York. I'm a Chicago girl, born and raised. And so when we were trying to decide, you know, this dream that we had of being bicoastal, what, what does that mean? What city will we end up in? Atlanta jumped to the top of the charts pretty quickly because 
there's just the really prolific on-camera scene here. You know, I'm a, I'm a seasons girl. I love autumn. I'm a holiday nut. So I need like that gradual lead in to the holidays and the cold. And I saw my first autumn colors in 15 oh. years this year. And, you know, and when we need the beach, we head back that way and go. And when we need our seasons and our families all over here, up and down the East Coast. So it's been great. And a lot of our, a lot of our colleagues and friends are out here now. So it's, it's just cool. It's kind of cool to be part of the, the new wave that's, that's over here. The new wave. Hey, speaking of new wave, oh, I speak saw something on your Instagram post about a cool new project you're a part of. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So new wave is a new animated series that if you go to my socials, you'll see the cast list. The cast list is everybody that we work with and we know and love. It's just a bunch of amazing, amazing talent. And it's, um, a series about uh, set against the backdrop of the 80s music scene and it's just hilarious and sharp and sassy and the talent in in the writing and in the cast is amazing there's all original music peter jessup is our our fearless leader who you know wrote and created the series and so we're crowdfunding now so if you are interested in seeing the series and please go to my socials check out the cast there are links to our kickstarter there we can't do this without you all but it's it is so special. Like it's, I'm so excited to be a part of it. And we're just, you know, putting all our good vibes out into the universe now that we can get this going. Tamar, maybe, do you think you can pin that, you can put that URL up in the chat and I will pin it at the bottom so everybody can access it. That would be, so you guys can go online. That would be amazing. Thank you. I mean, you might even get a producer credit, right? I mean, ooh, there you go. That? Not going with, but it's true. As with any art, you know, it, it it's a collaborative thing. You know, the arts always need funding and always need, you know, support. And especially in this pandemic, I hope that we all realize just how important art is. Because when you're at home, you're watching stuff on TV, you're reading books, you're listening to music, you're you're participating in all the things that we actually create. And so we're hoping that we'll get the love and support that we need. One way or another, the thing's getting made, though. It's It's too good to not. So I am very proud and honored to be a part of it. Small story. I believe Peter's cousin is a friend of mine that is going to be doing the backdrops for the new show when we go in studio. They're going to look amazing. I can't wait for you to see some of it. And you'll be able to see like like a little bit of an animatic that they put together on the on the Kickstarter of kind of what the art's going to look like. And the music is, I mean, it's just, it's hilarious. I We were at our table read and I had to put myself on mute. I was laughing up and disrupting everybody. So he was on Zoom. I was like, "What? Yeah, Is that we were, a term? we're all virtual, girl." Yeah. I had to put myself on mute. You know what I'm saying, girl? I mean, we're, we're voice actors. If we don't mute, <laughs> we're just all talking over each other. Though. Just in real life, though, I think I need to put myself on mute. I think we'll <laughs> sometimes I'm like, turn it back, take the volume. <laughs> Done. We will meet. down a few notches. <laughs> <laughs> so now when you were in Chicago, I know you did a lot of theater and um, right. training for theater. I was curious how that impacted your process for uh, how you approach voiceover and on camera auditions. Yeah. So, you know, theater is my first love. I was I was born on the stage as an actress and it's where all my training was, all my um, undergrad was. And I'm I'm hugely proud of the foundation that um, in acting that theater gave me, the discipline it taught me. It was a, a perfect training ground for learning how to break down a character in a scene, how to work with the director, or how to collaborate with other artists. And no matter the medium, whether it's stage, whether it's on camera, voice, voice acting, it's all acting. It's all 
um, storytelling. That's what acting is. It's a business of professional storytellers. So for me, I'm very much, I always feel like my feet are uh, rooted and grounded in that theater foundation that I got. I will always love theater. I will always want to do theater. It's nothing like being in a, in a live audience and feeling that energy but I I really do I use I use the things I learned in theater school every day you know give me a chance to test out different processes and different philosophies on how to get to a character because you know we have to kind of reach deep into ourselves and be able to get vulnerable to be able to create a character that reads authentic to the audience and so and it takes a lot out of you so you do need to kind of trial and error and see what works for you and I feel like that is what what my theater background gave to me. And um, do, do you, how do you do that then? How do you get yourself into a place where you can be vulnerable and, and prepared for the role? What's your process like? I mean, I think it takes a lot of courage first off, right? Mm-hmm. For any of us that are in this biz, we have to be willing to delve deep into those emotions that we'd otherwise maybe not want to deal with on a daily basis. But I think for me, it has to begin with the imagination and the storytelling. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, particularly for voiceover, everything is in your mind. You are creating all of it. You, you know, when you're on an on-camera set or you're on a stage, you do have beautiful sets and costumes and props and lighting and, and things to help you immerse yourself in the world. When you're in voice acting, the immersion of the world is all in your own mind. And so the teaching me how to deal, my theater taught me how to deal with the given circumstances, how to figure out, you know, what, you know, the things I think about when I get in the booth or when I get into a play or, or onto a set, it's like, who am I? What world am I in? What universe am I in? What, what's my function in the story? What, what story are we trying to tell? You know, you know, who am I speaking to? Where am I? Where did I just come from? You have to make all of those things real for yourself or, or it will look like you're play acting, right? Or, or it will sound like you're play acting. And that, I think the only way to get to that vulnerability and that truth is to know all of those details so solidly for yourself. And then at some point, once you've done that work and done that preparation, you have to let it go and just, and be in the moment and trust that everything that you did to prepare will carry you forward into the story. Because the last piece is now, what is my castmate giving me back? You know, you can't just create what you're going to do in your mind and then not Mm -hmm. listen. You have to kind Mm -hmm. of listen and respond just like we do in real life. And so I feel like theater was the perfect training ground to to look, to teach me how to listen, to teach me how to be more present. And trust me, there is no more present in life than when you're in front of a live theater audience and Mm -hmm. your prop goes missing people drop lines, you drop a line, improv is... You're bringing back nightmares. <laughs> everything, right? It is, it is so, speaking of vulnerable, like it's so intense and there's no better training ground than having to be in that situation and work yourself through it and keep the story going. I really, I miss the days that we were, that Notion and I were in class and you were in the other oh. class. Dan Kirsch Studios and we get together and like run lines, you know, and like work on our sites together. That community, I think, is so crucial to people that are learning their process or, you know, even anybody at any stage. We're lucky that at a certain point, the work or 
working kind of replaces that community of working on audition sites, but I very much miss that. I long I for mean, it. You know? I mean, that, that's been one of the hardest things about this pandemic for all of us is yeah. art so collaborative and we rely on each other so much. And we, we all are friends outside of the work we do. There's such a bond. And I always, they used to say in theater, the cast that plays together is stronger on stage. And I think that's true of all of these different mediums that we, I've had a, the fortune of playing yeah. in. So you need those midnight IHOP runs where just, it's like 20 people yeah. ordering coffee yeah. and waffles. Yes, it's just, those are the best memories. And I, I think that's the thing, uh, that collaborative spirit and that friendship and that community and family. It's, it, we miss it a lot. And we're finding our way, you know, doing it virtually. And, you know, there are times when we are going into the studio and all the professional studios are working so hard to protect the actors and keep everyone safe in this pandemic. So those moments though, when you actually get to be in the group read or get to be live are just, we realize, truly realize their value now that we don't get to do that as much anymore, so. Yeah. yeah, I had one of my, somebody had asked in the question chat, when you do your warmups, how do you know your voice is ready post warmup? Well, I, so I am actually, it's, it's funny, everyone that knows me from my early life, my grade school, high school years know me as a singer before an actor. Everyone from college on knows me as an actor and may not even realize that I sing, but I, I am a singer. Uh, jazz is my forte, but I was classically trained and I did um, Indian classical music and I did all of this stuff. And so I have a really, I am very in touch with, I, I, it's almost hard to put into words when I know my voice is ready, but there will be days when I will be able to do a quick warm up and I'm like, I'm warm. I feel it. I feel it's almost like I can feel the parts of my voice that I use stretch the right way. It's mm. almost like, you know, before you play a sport, you're, you're stretching out the muscles and, and you're, you know, moving the body. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, everything's warm. Everything's moving. I feel like we're all stretching now. Everybody's at home stretching. I must be older than you because at this point I never feel that way. <laughs> like, <laughs> from an hour I mean, hot yoga and I'm like I still am not trust me when I say there are days when I'm like two hours into a warm-up I'm still not warm so <laughs> age age catches up but um you know I think I think that's part of what everybody who is aspiring to do this and everybody who does this for a living has to practice you have to be uh so familiar with your own instrument and know where your limits are and know what you're capable of, you know, before, before you go into a session, because then they're going to expect you to pull off whatever it is you auditioned with for at least four hours. And so if you can only do it for five minutes, don't send the audition in, you know, but I, I think that that is part of the work is in knowing your own instrument and kind of knowing where you're, when, when, when it feels right and when it's in performance mode. Yeah. And so how is it, what's it like being married to another? First, for anybody that might not know, your husband is Noshir. And Noshir, Noshir Dalal. Yep, he is. If you guys are gamer fans, then you've, you've beat Nosh up in a game somewhere. You know, <laughs> it's, he's very prolific in that world. He does a ton of performance capture and a video game. And uh, he's done a ton of animation this year, which is really exciting. Somebody mentioned my son, Rampart. He plays Rampart on Bad Batch. And we, for, you know, I guess it's, 
as with any partner, you know, if it's right, it's right. We both came from a theater background. He was working the scene in New York and, you know, had been on Broadway and had done a bunch of tours and transitioned into on-camera where he's still pretty prolific. I have been a little bit more on hiatus with my on-camera and kind of putting my focus on VO in the last couple of years, but it's always still there, you know, the auditions still come up and the opportunities, but I feel like we just sort of have found our balance together. I think it's it can be a blessing and it can be a curse. If I'm on here being real and vulnerable, there's a, a real joy and a real relief in having a partner that really understands what you go through, you know, in your business, who who also goes through it. So, you know, if, if I'm pinned for something and then it gets dropped, you know, uh, I don't have to explain what that is before yeah. I, need, I can before I can emote about it and have him really understand why I'm upset or, you know, and at the same time, when you have two really highly driven people and um, we're in a biz where, particularly in voice acting, there are times every once in a while where we're up for the same role, you know, because they're, they're not sure which, which way they're going gender wise. And they're not, wow. so there is like, and there's also this sense of like, you know, your career ebbs and flows. So mm -hmm. sometimes he's really busy and I'm not, or I'm really busy and he's not. Yeah. And I think part of the artist's journey is is that little like worm in your brain that's like, oh God, am I ever going to work again? It's just a thing that we all battle, and so it can really play tricks on you when you're like yeah. when you're in in low tide and and your husband's in the high tide place or vice versa, and and you have to kind of realize it's it, it there's there will be work, you know. You just have to keep your eyes on the prize and keep plugging forward. But I think what happened for us is at some point we really are we really did become kind of one as cliche as that sounds and now mm -hmm. i really do feel like when he has success it's my success and vice mm -hmm. versa you know it every time he has a win it's a win for our household it's a win for our us as a team you know fighting for this this career and and this life and so i feel like we really are a, a great match and have found a way to make it work you know when it's right it's right i think that's do you guys do you direct each other? Do you have a, a big audition? Are you like okay? Come here. Definitely, um, particularly for self tapes and things like that. You know, mm -hmm. I'm his reader; he's mine, and we do we do try to direct each other. Sometimes it goes great, sometimes not so much. But you know, we are always trying, and I think it's you know you have to be. We're always trying to give constructive criticism and try to help each other get to the best possible end result in the booth. I I think we both tend to work solo in in our studio here at, but i will often hear like honey can you come listen to this and tell me you know give me your thoughts and yeah. i think we're at a point now where we do trust each other and trust each other's opinions you know and so you know we try the best we can to give each other as much love and support and respect as we can because your work is really vulnerable you know mm -hmm. and so anytime anyone is giving you notes or criticism you just have to learn to suspend that part of you that takes it personally and just know it's about the story you know how do you guys like how do you work out who gets the booth <laughs> you know what if you're both booked at the same time you, you have one booth is that right it's true we do have one studio right now but it's funny that you should ask we are literally getting a second we're literally talking about that yeah. right now because you know it's booth is booth time is at a premium in here and so yeah. but we are very fortunate we have the same representation we're both mm -hmm. of atlas talent and they're amazing and very like you can't do this without a great team behind you right and so they actually have a booking calendar for us that we all share so that they and us are monitoring when 
bookings are happening so we aren't double booking the booth. And so, so it's not like a voice off who'd be like, on your mark, get set, no, go! No, I think I, I can say the most words in five seconds, it's gonna win. I would win if it was the fastest talker, but he can, you know, he can outrun me. So, but we, it's, you know, it's worked out great. There are days when it's back-to-back -back sessions or they'll schedule like, if this one's an hour and a half and I have to sneak in for 30 minutes and then he has another, there is, there is often a little game going on in here um, for booth time, but fabulous problem to have, you know, uh, certainly there are no complaints and we don't take it for granted. We are very grateful for the opportunities and, and it'll be fun when the day comes that we have a separate, you know, studios. So we can keep doing our thing and doing it at the same time. And are you still there? Oh, <laughs> if he doesn't want to listen to me, like tell him to do the dishes, he'll just like shut the door and he's soundproof. And then, <laughs> and then I'm just yelling at no one. Um, you got to go email him. <laughs> yeah. There are, there are times where I'm literally like, honey, 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 there's no response. So then I'll call him. I'll be like, where are you in the booth? Where are you? So yeah, found a way to make it work. So yeah. yeah. Well, I am a huge fan of Carmen San Diego. Yay. And and Bellum. I mean, it was been so great watching the show with my son and seeing how much he oh. loves it and seeing, you know, how how much I love it. <laughs> so That's can we talk fun. about that whole experience from um, casting to recording and what that was like? Where do I begin? Just the best time of my life doing that doing that series, you know, first off, you know, to be chosen, you know, uh, the casting goes nationwide, sometimes worldwide, you know, depending on the project. And I remember walking into my callback and being very nervous. And then Jamie Simone was our director, you know, who also is the owner of Studiopolis, which if you're in the business in LA, you know, Studiopolis and uh, Dwayne Capizzi is our, he, did you have him on the yes! show? Dwayne was on the show. Isn't he just like one of your favorite human beings ever. Just yeah. Like, he the sent best. me like a cast and crew shirt. I have like a cast and crew shirt. Can he send me one? Can we write <laughs> to that? It was like, it's like an extra large. Oh my God. I'll take it. I'll take oh. it. No, but he is seriously, our showrunner, Dwayne, is so one cool. of the kindest, most collaborative, most wonderful human beings there is, there is on the planet. And so I remember walking in and being like... And instantly he just allayed my fears and I was able to just kind of settle into it. He started showing me renderings of Bellum and, you know, I, I, I loved everything about her and, you know, we gave it a whirl. We did, did some with an accent, without an accent, you know, just to sort of mm -hmm. test the waters. They're always yeah. like in the beginning trying to find the voice print that works for the character. I don't want to hear a fun fact. Uh -oh. December 1st, isn't it? You froze for a uh -oh. second. Are you there? Uh, you're back. Yeah. Am I here now? Am I unfrozen? Okay. okay. I was just saying, today's December 1st, right? I know. So, yeah. fun little Carmen San Diego trivia. My very first session for Carmen San Diego was on December 1st, 2016. It was on December 1st. I just know the That's date. It's crazy you guys started recording so long ago. I mean, these projects start way in advance because usually the voice is the first thing they're they're putting down and then the animators are animating and whatnot to our work but I will never forget that first day in that first session god the cast was so amazing and you know for me I am I am not too proud to say that I was like happy to sit and have master class and watch all these incredible artists whose work I you know, look up to who are like role models in the business for me, do their thing. And, you know, I got to grow as an artist and I got to watch them. And you've got like, you know, I'm standing in a session and Mary Elizabeth McGlynn is on one side and Kari Walgren's on the other side and, you know, Paul Nicochi and all these just amazing voice actors 
And I was so privileged to kind of see them do their thing and to watch and to learn and to kind of get a window into what their process is like. And I feel like it really grew me as an artist through those seasons, oh. just uh, such a privilege. And I would, you know, I, I just, I, I loved everything about it. And, and as I started to grow more comfortable in my own work, what's fun about when you get to live with a character for a really long time is you start to feel the writing, the writer's writing to you. Like you create something, you know, and you're all kind of trying to decide what's the voice print, what is she like, you know, or what is the story? And then little by little, you take it on, you know, those, those vulnerabilities, we talk about that, that authenticity that you try to bring to a role. And she started to sit really easy on me. And that's when we started playing with just how funny Dr. Bellum is, you know, because mm -hmm. you've got these, these five big bads, these super villains, and, you know, I think I was, I think Dr. Bellum was a little bit of the comic relief in the middle of them. You know, the kooky genius mad scientist who blows the, the mission because she's watching cat videos online and she's distracted, you know, she, and that was so fun when we, when we really discovered that. And I would lean into the, to her like kookiness, if you will. And then little by little, you'd feel Dwayne and the writing team giving her a little more and a little more and a little mm -hmm. more. And by the end, I mean, I just had a blast. I just would let loose and really just let her be as as funny and zany and marching to her own drummer as, you know, they would let me. And then I got the great fortune of, I also play Agent Zari on the show. And so she's oh. a character into some kind of more in the later seasons, but they brought her to me and they were like, would you like to take her on? And it was really important to me that I created two distinct characters. So mm -hmm. it wasn't I really wanted them to live in their own worlds and their own headspace. And what a dream come true that that series was and is for me. I love that cast. We laughed our butts off in every session and just, just, you know, such a, such a privilege, such a privilege. Go back in a heartbeat. If they were like, Hey, let's do another. I mean, hopefully it kind of felt like it wrapped up intentionally, but yeah, I mean, I think the thing people don't realize is, you know, we are at the liberty of whatever production is telling us. So like the network Netflix, you know, had had this idea of how many seasons or how many episodes and we, you know, leaned into that. So but I do uh, believe there may be I don't know, I, mean, I, can't, I can either confirm any of this, but I do believe there may be life for it down the road somewhere, somehow, because there's a lot more stories to tell. So I have my fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for you. Jim Tasker, I don't know if he's still on the, the chat, but he had an excellent question, which was, when you were growing up, did you have a favorite animated character? Yes. I mean, this is a good story. The one that comes to mind is actually the one that was my first inclination to even be interested in voiceover, and that was Cree Summer. I used to watch Animaniacs, like uh, uh, a maniac when I was you uh -huh. know, Animaniac. And I, I loved Elmira, you know, the little redhead that was like, loved animals yeah you know who I'm and I had I would do the voice and had all these storylines in my head of how I was gonna like get cast as you know her long long I had all these things in my head and I love I loved the series I loved her work I also really respected Cree in her on-camera work I'm mean, mm -hmm. just a wonderful prolific actress so funny story so my very first animated job as a professional voice actor was Johnny Bravo. They did a, a TV movie, Johnny Bravo Goes to Bollywood. Yeah. Goes and, to Bollywood. Okay. Uh, yes, Johnny Bravo went to Bollywood, Bollywood in to India and you know and and had a mm -hmm. bunch of adventures there. 
And so I'm, I had done, by then I had done Diablo three and uh, Hitman Absolution. So I wasn't a, a necessarily like I was brand new to the industry, but yeah. I had not done anything professional in animation. Mm. So I, told, I, and of all places, I met Studiopolis and for my first session and coincidence, I think not. <laughs> I mean, it all comes full circle in life ladies and gents and I walk in and they tell me you know hey you're going to be with these two other actresses they had hired me to sing this song with these two other actresses and then they were going to bring me into a group read to play a few different incidental roles and I walked into my first animation and it was me Cree Summer and Tara Strong <laughs> no pressure no pressure on day one in my day. and I darn near had a heart attack when I saw Cree and but talk about two of the most loving giving people humans actresses never once did they act like the celebrities that they really are they treated me so kindly they welcomed me I had bindies in my purse you know the little the stickers yeah. like and and they were like get them out we're in Bali when they put them on and the three of us sang our song together and we just had such a blast uh. and I I can't believe that was my, my first job. And years later, you know, I still, I still tell that story because they're just such good humans and it was such a great way to enter this biz, you know. Can we hear the song anymore? I, on the series, I know it's, we were these mm -hmm. three little, they were kind of singing this like theme song, you know. And so I, it's part of this actual TV movie. I don't, I'll see if I can find it. If I can find a link, I'll, I'll certainly send it over. Yeah, that's so um, fun. I'd love to share it to stories. So fun and because portable. It only, it aired only in it, outside the United States. It never aired. in Did the it? Okay. I never was sure if it was airing in the U.S. or only internationally, but that was also a really triumphant day for South Asian voice actors. I mean, it was yeah. full of incredible, you know, South Asian talent. And that was also really special for me on my first Amir Talal and... Yeah. Asia. Yeah, Ajay Mehta was there, Sheetal Sheth, and I think Sunil Malhotra, what it might have been there. Just a bunch of incredible, you know, actors and actresses. So, yeah, that's a fun little story. She was really the first animated I loved. And yeah, I, I want to hear more of you singing. What do you want to hear? Do a you want to sing right now? I can do a little jazz for you. Oh, my God, I'm being put on the spot. See, I'll, I'll sing a little, sing a little ad of, uh, for you there, or Ella, rather. <clears throat> I wanna Sunday candle love, a love to last past Saturday night, and I like to know if it's more than love at first sight. I want a Sunday kind of love. Hey guys, this is Allison Packard. Sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to let you know that if you like the show, please, please, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. There's me. A little not warmed up, but you know. Um, guys, where are those hearts? Oh my God. Hello. Give that they're girl all some just, hearts. They're Thank all still, you. they're all like every summer's age. Checking just, out what she's up. They're just stunned. Um, they're just oh, stunned okay. into submission oh, it with was, your beautiful that, that's voice. Me, that was me badly warmed up. But I I spent years gigging jazz in Chicago. 
and years singing choral and years, you know, just doing that, that world and recording and all that other stuff. And so it's been a long time since I was. People are saying encore, encore, you're getting Rose um, has thrown up in the uh, chat. I do. She's been encouraging me to post some more singing. So I. That's will... what I'm. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, you guys all know Allison is like a prolific recording artist and has like the most amazing voice ever, right? Everybody knows this. <laughs> I, know, I, <laughs> so, I sing from my soul, but that's there we go. I mean, I do there have was a pretty at least soul. one or two times where Allie and I were, you know, in her gorgeous home studio. She's a gorgeous home studio, you know, working out some stuff for her series. You sang all kinds of stuff for like Tom and Jerry, was it? Didn't you sing Tom and Jerry? I did did you have sing? To sing that? Yeah. She's a gorgeous. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're amazing. I'm excited. I'm actually going to be going as doing a pre-pro meeting this week to record a kid song that I wrote. I feel like I'm more of a singer songwriter. Oh my God. You know? Your album is amazing. Versus, like, singer. Heartbeat, heartbeat of the universe. Yeah. Everybody go check it out. I love how I'm, I've turned this around now. I'm interviewing her, everybody. And um, <laughs> go check out Heartbeat of the Universe. Allie, Allison's voice is just stunning. It will, you, will, you won't believe how amazing and soothing and wonderful her, her voice and her writing is. So go check it out. Go check it out, you guys. You're in the presence of greatness. Well, 1999. Um, <laughs> it's free. So back to Sharon. Do you see what she did there, guys? She tried to turn the tables on me. Try to make table. this interview about yeah. this one when it's about this one. Oh, I'm ready. To <laughs> oh, Hunter said we should work together on a Christmas song. You know That's what? That's not a bad idea. Allison, we need a duet. Oh step. my god! So what do if you we know? Do that? I actually wrote a pretty funny Christmas song that I was thinking would be great to record. It's called "We're Totally Unprepared for Christmas." It's a comedy duet. Excellent. Maybe we should record it, or we, should we could record it. A we'll do that, and we'll post it. We'll We're talk. gonna sing together. We'll talk. We'll talk. Yeah. Call me. You have your people call my people. Have your people call my people. So I am curious about how you got involved with the Dark is Beautiful campaign. Can you tell oh. us about that? Yes, near and dear to my heart. So I'm pulling my hair back. You guys, I'm super casual. So if you were expecting me to like look like a starlet and have perfect hair and stuff, you were so uh, you do look like a starlet. Like, we love the end of the day and I'm in my work. Eating yeah. it up. No, thank you. Dark is beautiful. Dark is beautiful is a social awareness campaign. The home base is in India, but it is a global campaign. And the mission of the campaign is to rid the world and fight the really toxic poisonous notion that beauty can only come in fair skin shades, that colorism is, you know, the term that they use, which I 100% believe is, is a seed for, you know, racism. There is in a lot, it's very, very pervasive in South Asian culture, but in all ethnicities, as I've worked with the campaign, and as I'm getting, you know, letters from people all over the world, all different ethnicities, there is this pattern that exists that the fairer you are, that, that beauty can't come in darker skin shades. And it's, it is absolutely incorrect and, and, a, and a horribly poisonous, you know, thought process. And I am extremely passionate about it. And I just felt like, you know, if I have any kind of platform at all in my career, I would love to make sure that if I if I do have the privilege of even amplifying anything a little bit, let me make sure that I'm amplifying some things that, that are for a worthy cause. And so, you know, the campaign, they work tirelessly. They do a bunch of, you know, outreach. They go to schools and educate 
younger kids so that they're growing up with the right mindset that that first off that a person's worth should never be determined by the color or shade of their skin but that even more so that the, that all shades are gorgeous you know that 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 beauty can come in fair skin medium skin dark skin and beauty doesn't have boundaries there are no boundaries you know creed color size shape disability gender whatever it is that you know you that makes you you it can be beautiful and so i love the campaign's message and i was telling stories about how when i first got into this business there was i was still in chicago acting and i was just kind of starting to toy with on camera you know out of my theater days and i had this an audition for a, a pretty big role i shan't mention the network or production you don't call them out <laughs> i'm not going to be calling anybody out publicly that means but it was a major entity and this was a major role on an indie film and wow. um I was told by the assistant to the director that they loved my read, but that they were going a different way because the director felt I didn't Indian enough. And I remember being on the phone call and being puzzled and then hanging up and then becoming enraged because I was like, I'm my ethnic origins are hundred percent Indian. That mm -hmm. This is, this is what India looked like. And when I started to kind of dive down that rabbit hole, all, I, Bollywood started emerging and there, you know, truly the fairer you are the more beautiful you're considered and you'll see often mainstream entertainment media if there are darker skin actors they're always playing the villains the the people to be looked down upon that and, and maybe things i don't know if things are changing over there i don't see it as as dramatically as i think it should be in today's day and age but i realized you know how can you fault Western media for looking at me and thinking I don't look Indian enough? If they're referencing Bollywood as an example, and they're seeing mm. women that are much, much fairer than me, I would imagine their thought process would go, well, if that's what Indian looks like, then what is Sharon? And on, on that, that journey went. And so when I, you know, came to Hollywood and decided to go into on camera, I was I kind of just said, it's going to be part of my mission. Every victory I have is a chance for me to, to tell the world and the Western world, even more specifically, that this is what Indian looks like. And I think it just is born out of our own self-worth, you know, like that, that toxicity is very pervasive in Indian culture. And so that's just what the campaign's about. They're fighting really hard to change that, to change lightning cream and fairness creams, to change the messaging. I get messages from people who get passed up for jobs, who are shunned by family members, whose marriages break up and things because of the, because of the shade of skin. And so, I, and I can't believe that is people's reality, you know? And so we need to change that dramatically. And it's been a real joy in my life to be part of the campaign and to lend my face and my voice. And as much as I can, you know, sometimes work gets busy and I'm not able to do as much as I'd like to, but they are very near and dear to my heart. And I will be working with them for a long time. So that's very it. cool. Just there. Yeah. Yeah. It's really uh, rewarding to try to change the conversation to the right, to the right way, you know? Yeah. Wow. It went, went, we went from having girls night to getting really, really. We're still having girls night. That's girls yeah. night. Yeah, that, that is what girls night is. It ebbs and flows. Um, <laughs> it's dancing on the tables one night and, and yeah. Yeah, talking, crying in your pocket about drama the next. Yep. Um, 
Well, I, there has been such a call for increasing diversity in Hollywood. By the way, I'm a member of Rise Up Animation, a uh, uh, mentor through that program. I, I know they're always looking for people if you are interested in getting involved or anyone else is interested. Okay. Yeah, you're currently working in animation. We had Monica Lego Cadis on the show last year, yeah. and but there's been such a call and push for diversity yes. in casting and accurate representation in Hollywood. How yes. has that? What changes have you seen, and how has that affected your career? I mean, I think that I I, I think there's still a long way to go, but I'm really happy to see that. Do you, that you do think there's a long way to go? I think that's that like, like seventy to eighty percent of of casting is going diverse. For VO these days, feel that push for diversity. Mm -hmm. I absolutely do across the board on camera, voice acting. Mm -hmm. I feel that I, I, I still don't know if all of the all of the ethnicities and all of the marginalized groups and all of the people that have their stories to tell have a seat at the table yet. <laughs> because I think the chain of command always goes to like who's holding the money, and you know, there's so many people, decision makers, in every one of these decisions. But there are so mm -hmm. many great stories to be told. And they need to be told by the people who authentically live them and write them and, and can tell them. So I, but I am proud of the, what I've seen take place even in the last decade. I've seen mm -hmm. the landscape of on-camera change dramatically. I've seen, you know, different ethnic groups really rise up. I've seen, you know, the Latino population rise, the Asian population rises, you know, so many stories being told, so many incredible talents in those, in those groups that are rising to the top and getting their chance to, to write and to speak and to act and to direct. And I think that is, I think it's so important because, you know, we, all stories need to be told. If you're only telling one, one group's stories or one category of stories, then you're not getting, you're not getting as rich a, an entertainment or a tapestry. Yes. Like art yeah. should imitate life and the world is not one color or one experience. There's so much to learn about and, and to hear about and to talk about. So I am super super pro diversity and i hope i think also i can speak only to my ethnicity mm -hmm. south asians you know we're, we're a culture that really historically reveres intellect you know want their kids to be a, a doctor or an engineer or in finance or a lawyer or something that has that sort of like professional bent to it and so i don't know how many parents in in years previous had encouraged their kids to go towards the arts as a as a career but that's also really exciting for me in in hollywood to see how many of these amazing you know south asian talents are coming out of the woodwork in every facet of the business and i think there's a power in numbers there right like the more we show up to the table and and sort of demand that our stories be heard and 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 try to claim our seat at the table, the more headway we'll make. And so I, I hope that's happening across the board, you know. Yeah, our, and people on both sides of the table, yeah. not just in front Absolutely. of the camera. I, I feel that I feel that with ethnicities, I feel that with women, you know, rising to their place at the table, you know, in 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 the industry. It's it's a really cool time to see how the business is transitioning. But um it's yeah, like, you know, they say like that when you boil a frog, like they don't realize the water's hot. It's like all of the industry, we didn't realize that it was broken so bad until it was time to fix it. And then you're like, Absolutely. oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to a, the, the depth to which. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I think, and it needs to, 
it needs to grow more. So I'm, I'm excited. I hope that I've been able to play some small part in that transition. Mm -hmm. However small or big my journey impacts, you know, there. And I plan to keep doing the same, you know, all you can do is try to push forward and try to get your, get your seat at the table, you know, and, and fight on. So on we fight. How did your parents feel about you having a career, choosing a career in the arts? I was sort of blessed with oddly progressive parents for a South Asian household. But I also was sort of that kid. I mean, I've been doing this forever. You know, I started singing when I was four and doing Indian classical dance when I was five. I picked up flute and piano when I was six. Like I started doing the school plays around eight or nine. I took voice lessons at 11. I was not surprising anybody when I was very arts forward, <laughs> performing arts forward. Um, I I sometimes wonder if if they didn't realize that it was going to turn into a career. They were encouraging, though, all of those talents mm -hmm. very openly, very proudly. I was very lucky that way. And then when I got to that, the age when that deci those decisions are starting to be made, like high school and you know heading into college, I I just kind of told them, I'm like, look, I don't think I was I was not put on earth to be in an office behind a desk working a nine to five. I just know this about myself. I don't necessarily know where this career is going, but I, I know right now I can tell you confidently, confidently, excuse me, what won't bring me happiness. And I was pretty vocal about it. And my parents took a chance on me. And in theater school, I, I, I started getting cast right away. And I, I never looked back and, and they never did either. So I've been very, very fortunate that way. It's not, it's not the norm necessarily in in our culture at least but i hope that's i hope that's changing because all these like amazing little talents are coming out of the woodwork so there are got to be parents out there somewhere that are, that are like my kid's amazing and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna get behind them and and give them my love and support but i say it all the time you know i've said it in other interviews like parents of any ethnicity, of course, all your decisions are coming from love. You always want the best for your children. But if they have an interest that's specialized. I'm like and, going through my head. I'm like, is that true? I hope, I guess in an ideal world, that's true, right? Your decisions, you, you are, you want your children to have an amazing life to have. And so maybe sometimes there are decisions that are made out of fear of that. Not yeah. Or filtering through the parent's ego. I think that's right. Right. But I think what you have to do is if you are a good parent and you've taught your child how to be a good human who contributes positively to society, then at some point you do have to trust that the lessons you taught them, they will carry on no matter what field they choose, you know? And so I hope that more and more parents out there of all ethnicities, if your kid has a special talent, whether it's performing arts or something else that May, not, may be atypical to you. I hope that you will wholeheartedly encourage it because you never know what they might become and how they might change the world. So yeah, just I'm, watch. My kid's going to be an engineer and I'm going to be like, cool. It, listen. <laughs> you, with those dreams over there, I mean, I, scientist I, 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 or like a lawyer and I'm going to be like, there. cool. You want to go to law whatever, school. Whatever makes him happy. You know, he's such a doll. Oh my goodness. Her little boy. This is kind of a, a little bit off topic, but I, I feel like I remember one of your hobbies and I, I don't want to say it, you... but what are some of your hobbies? What are some of my, I'm trying to remember what you, what you, what you think my hobby is. Oh, um, the kitchen. Well, yes, I was about to say, number one hobby is, is cooking and baking. That is, 
I always say that, as I said, I was not born to be a nine to five or in an office. Not, no disrespect. It's just something that like I, I know in my body I couldn't have done. So everyone's like, so what would you have done if you weren't an actress? I'm like, I would have gone to culinary school. 100%. Like I love to cook. I love to bake. I love to host people. When when we were in the pandemic, in the early days of the pandemic, and nobody knew what was happening or if the world was ending, I started to stress bake at home. And you know, <laughs> she like, stop baking. I'm over here trying to fit into my mocap suit and keep coming out with like scones and cinnamon rolls and whatever else. And but it's true. It's the it's where I go to decompress. Cinnamon rolls from scratch? Oh yeah! Oh, Sydney, I'll come you know what I made my kid for dinner tonight? What Ramen noodles. Yeah, girl, those I'm are good too. Listen, they're, they're listen, pretty yummy. Makes the heart and the stomach happy. That's all. Um, <laughs> but it it is it is my number one hobby. But you know, I would say, you know, we we also you know just like adopted a dog in in COVID. Nala. Nala, who if you go to my page, you'll get, you'll see like, if you go to my Arnoshir's page, you'll basically see like 80,000 80, pictures of our dog and like one or two of us. But she's a Belgian Malinois German Shepherd mix. And she is the smartest dog I've ever met, which is a big trouble. She's smarter than the two of us. 100%. But she does the coolest stuff. She, we were teaching her to um, use talk buttons to speak with us at home. So she uses like the recordable talk. Button. No way. Really? Oh, legit. She's so funny with them too. She's got a real sassy, smart, like sense of humor, but she hits our crosswalks and she, she's just, wait, so back awesome. to the, wait, back to the yeah. dog using talk yes. buttons. Cause I've, I've only seen that like on TikTok. Yeah. So well, does she have like one that's like, what are they what are her different buttons say she's got about 25 or 30 so far um <laughs> they're just like some of them are like verbs you know you know uh, walk play whatever some of them are like she'll have like nala mommy daddy she'll have you know all her items her her food what you know her ball whatever and she'll hit them in com combinations but my favorite thing that she's doing as of late because she's such she just is such a like what's the word like she desperately needs attention <laughs> she just needs someone to attend to her all the time and so i'll be like you know we're gonna where does she get that from <laughs> yeah i don't know it's not a trait that's in the house anywhere else so but she like you know no she'll be he's learning lines and i'm on the computer or whatever is happening and we're like tunnel vision into what we're doing and she'll go over to her buttons and she'll look at us and she'll be like play and she'll look at us and nobody <laughs> does anything and she'll be like walk and she'll look at us and nobody does anything and then if this continues she'll be like mommy help and i'll be like and i'll look up because when i hear help i look up I'll be like nala how can i help you and she'll be like ouch love no love no no as though she is saying like ouch there's no love nobody's giving me love she does this and then she goes on her bed and pouts and so then we have to be like nala love yes come over here and then she comes over and gets all like you know coddled because she's so so dramatic i'm serious she does the cutest stuff if it's raining outside she'll be like mommy water and i'll be like yes water from the sky that's rain and she's really grown into these buttons like amazingly but if you guys want a dog i am not paid to endorse this but go on instagram and look up what about bunny the sheep a doodle because it's that same system that we use with our dog and and bunnies bunny and otter there's a new dog otter they are amazing with the buttons she's got like 200 buttons or something she can have like full conversations. is is nala gonna get her own ig page no i mean she pretty much has taken over ours I don't think <laughs> she's own because we, you know that's all we post about for the most part but uh, no, uh. 
so I would say you asked me what my hobbies are. I would say like dog is right up there too. She's just a doll. And dog, a baking, dog, baking. Yes, dog, baking. It should be like food. Yes. Voiceover. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's a, it's a hoot. It's crazy that how quickly she's learned to use the buttons. So it's fun. It's really fun. She gets so excited when we understand what she's trying to communicate to us, you know? So yeah. Really fun too. I mean, yeah. I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> the world just keeps I, getting crazier. I had not had a dog that was capable of such things until Nala. My previous dogs were darling, but Nala's some other kind of brain. Like she got a little crazy brain. She's a German her. Shepherd? What? Uh, she's a Belgian Man Malinois German Shepherd. So they call that Malinois X. So she's that breed that they use for like police and military, like smart, highly trainable. <laughs> Like your house is never get she can she'll like deprogram that bomb in a second. I mean, sometimes she just figured out tonight. I haven't even told no sure this yet. She's I had the space heater going because you know it's kind of cold over here, and she figured out how to push the buttons on the space heater. So she keeps turning it off. I'm like Jeff no. Burns said, give her enough buttons and she'll learn how to direct. Maybe yes. you can be in the booth and she'll be like more conversational. Yeah. No, faster, funnier, faster. Fun. Yeah, no, she's. If there was a dog that could, it would be Nella. So I would buy she's, the best. she's such a joy. So we've really gotten training her has become a hobby because she's needed it. You know, so yeah, she's on path to be a service dog, and she's going to eventually be a service kids for yeah. you guys. Or she's in training to be a psychiatric service dog. So eventually, she will be a therapy dog for kids. Like we're, we're hoping she'll be able to go to hospitals and work with sick kids and work with, you know, just whoever needs it. She's you, Will she still belong to you? Yes. Yes. No, okay. we're still, but she's got it. She's very special love for children and babies. Very special. So Aww, um, that's we're going to into something, you know, for her to work. Well, we only have one time for one more question. And I, there's oh, one question in stories that I think, is really worth chatting about, which is how long did it take you from when you started doing voice acting to get a role like Dr. Bellum, where you were, you know, a series regular occurring? Yeah. Because I think so, the misconception is that that step happens overnight, no. that even yeah. if you're talented, which obviously you are, and you're coming into it with a wealth of talent, but it still takes time to build relationships. And there's so many other pieces that go into it. So can you just talk a little bit about the the length of time that took yeah so for me i would my first professional voice acting job was in i think 2010 i had a very atypical journey though like i uh, had always had a gift with dialect and i happened to have a real and an agent that was willing to push me even though i had no credits he kind of pocketed me at the time and a director andrea toys from blizzard needed very specific things for a role on diablo 3 heard my reel and close booked me like what was specific it was i do middle eastern accents and oh. she needed she needed someone who could do middle eastern and british at a variety of different ages which with my voice print i could and so i got i oh. got a booking very quickly in a very atypical way that's like not the norm you know but then i you know i started to pound the pavement so it was probably around 2010 or so mm -hmm. and the the actual i was actually cast in doc, as dr bellum in, in fall of 2016. So for me, the journey, uh, I was I like, booking as much as I could in the years previous. Yes. But I, the thing is, there is no match. There's no, I shouldn't say magic formula. There is no um, pattern that, mm -hmm. that the artist's journey follows. Mm -hmm. Everybody is different. Everybody's at a different place in their process, in their journey, in what they've learned. So I think that 
if I could give anybody out there like advice on how to kind of quiet that voice inside you that is pressuring you to like get it done overnight, like let go of expectations. Like that's, I think something I'm working on, like even now in my journey, um, it, it never looks how you think it's going to look the journey, you know, mm -hmm. all you can do is like do the work, practice, stay on your craft, you know, go to, go to classes, get connected, you know, join these forums, you know, watch these IGs, like do, do the stuff to, that keep you in, in the mix and keep you in Especially the know. Especially watching these IGs. Especially Allison's IG. That's Definitely. This is number. the number one. hundred <laughs> percent. But it truly like you can't, casting is going to pick whatever story, whoever storyteller is the right one for the role. So when you're practicing or you're doing auditions, don't go in trying to get it right. Just, just show them what your version of the character looks like. That's all you can do. Oh, excuse me. There's a little alarm telling me to go brush Nala's teeth. Isn't that hilarious? Okay. Legitimately, that's what just happened. But it's true. Like, don't, don't, don't put that pressure on yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't buy into the expectations. Just do good work. Don't forget to have fun. We pay, we get paid to play pretend. It is intense work and it is, it is, a, it is not easy, but it is so fun. So if you just like live in that and stay present and keep making those connections and keep pounding the pavement and stop expecting it to look a certain way or giving yourself a timeline on it. Um, it, it is, it, you know, it sounds cliche, but it, as soon as I, I started getting better at letting that go, I started booking. I, I really believe that casting that your storytelling is affected by that pressure that you're putting on yourself. Mm -hmm. Instead, just tell the story and have a blast doing it. And the people on the other end who are listening are going to hear that joy and that authenticity. And there's only one you. No one else can do the script or do the role the way you can. So just show them who you are in your reads and in your journey. And eventually, like, you know, the stars align and, and, you get there. I really believe that everyone who is tenacious in this business will work. There's plenty of work for everybody. You just have to stay grounded in who you are and what you bring and trust that like, if you do the work, it'll lead to good things. So, you know, my journey was six years from the start of VO to Bellum. Some people will have it day one. Some people will have it 10 years later. So don't compare, just, just enjoy the ride. That's what I would suggest. Enjoy the ride. Oh, Sharon, thank you so much for coming and chatting with thank us. Thank you for and, having uh, me. This was so fun. It really um, was. I love seeing your beautiful face and oh, hearing your your those that voice is like butter over there for Allison. But I I hope that I hope that everybody will uh, I don't know come find me, stay in touch, tell me what yeah. you thought. And go check out the new wave Kickstarter too. Please go, please go check out the new wave. It's such a great project. We've got to get it on the ground. We, we can't do it without you, but just, yeah, stay in touch. I love what I do. And I love hearing from all the people out there who are, who are cheering me on. So yay! Thank thanks guys. Well, we'll see you next week. Yes. Thanks for tuning in to Allison's Wonderland where we explore the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. Please remember to subscribe and leave us a review. For more episodes of Allison's Wonderland, please visit us at www.allisonpacker.com. See you next week.